You're listening to the voice of Doc. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is Lone by Significant Otter, editor of the anthology Species Otters. This story was first published in the anthology Species Wolves, and you can find more of his stories in the anthologies Fang Volume 9, Dogs of War, or Arcana. Please enjoy Lone by Significant Otter. Randall Shepard always felt most alone when he sat on the train. Often he found himself a shadowed, uncomfortable corner near the emergency exits to hide away. The illusion of closeness brought about by sitting next to someone else was inexplicably worse than just reveling in his own isolation. During the going-home bustle of Friday evenings, however, the only few open seats were always between other people. The wolf's paws locked together tight on his lap. He stared at the long individual grey firs, blades of dying ashen grass over unkempt hills. He tried to squeeze himself smaller. The ram on his right was too close. Wool pressed against the taut fabric over Randall's upper arm, and he prayed that his suit coat wasn't going to smell like lanolin until he could afford to have it washed. Sheep never got the hint when they invaded your personal space. If a blade of grass brushed over the tip of a single of the wolf's ankle furs, he'd notice immediately. Randall would have bet a paycheck on being able to scissor half a sheep's wool before it realized. A heaving sigh rustled the fur over his chest and neck, hand-trimmed short to keep the two sizes too small suit coat from bulging with the otherwise unkempt tufts. He wished for someone he could make that bet with. It wasn't that he wanted the money. Randall had no confidence that he could actually pull off a sheep-shearing mid-train ride. Even so, he liked to imagine the words he'd used— the way his voice would rise and fall, and the smirk on the shapeless muzzle of the figure he was talking to as he or she weighed the money versus getting to see the wolf try something so crazy. He used to have friends back in high school and college. His old pack exchanged messages every once in a while, checking up on each other's lives and subtly boasting about their own. Everyone had married, fostered kids, and weren't all that interested in the nothings of the life of a lonely single accountant. They'd all wandered away to make new packs, where there wasn't any room for Randall. The wool rustled against his arm and shoulder, and then it was gone. "'Sorry,' the ram said with an apologetic smile. "'Dozed off and didn't realize I got all up on you like that.' It felt like a blanket had been pulled away. Randall shivered. When he got back to his apartment, he slammed the door. The wolf didn't know why. Nonsensical thoughts and emotions flooded his head, and his chest clenched like it was caught in a winch— Randall paced back and forth the five steps he could manage in his tiny city apartment. He wanted to run. He wanted to scream. He panted short and ragged. Is this what a heart attack felt like? A surge of panic threw him stumbling for his phone, buried in his pocket under an ocean of receipts, candy wrappers, and loose cigarettes. He tore it out and flipped it open, littering all the excess over his stained carpet. Shaking pads, pressed 911. He held still for a moment and steadied his breathing. No, this wasn't a heart attack. His head was clear. Nothing was spinning. He slowly slid the phone back into his pocket. Fuck, he said. Not bothering to take off his tightly hugging suit, the wolf collapsed onto his bed. At least his mom wasn't around to see him like this. She would have been worried sick for his well-being. The burly wolf woman always told him not to leave the farm, that the farm would keep him strong and healthy more than any dirty gasoline and tar-smelling city. And mom was dead. Dad was dead, the farm belonged to a brother whose birthday he didn't even remember, and he hadn't spoken to any of them in years. Maybe she was right. College had been a shit idea. The feeling returned, a deep burning in his chest. 
The fire bubbled and boiled inside him while his head swam with fear and pain and longing and want. He got up from his bed. It was impossible to keep laying down while it felt like hot coals were going to burn right through him. Through instinct or feverish loss of control, the apartment window unlatched to his fumbling paws. It rose and let in the chilly, exhaust-scented night air alongside the growls, screeches and rumbles of the busy road seven stories below. He looked out and up at the faint stars and the sliver of a moon hanging low in the sky. The tip of Randall's muzzle curled into an O, and he let loose a howl that echoed despair through the city streets and skyscrapers. His vocal cords strained and cracked, but he pushed through with the song. It felt so right. All the pent-up emotion, the loneliness and banality of life poured out of his lungs and into the gentle breeze. He held the note as long as he could. A sharp, piercing tenor sprang through the droll white noise of city life. Was this what vacuous wolves felt like when they howled with their packs? Did they sing just like him to release the pain and anxieties of life? Or was there more to it? A pack closeness bound in blood and shrill notes to the heavens? That closeness was a puzzle piece for the empty spot in Randall's heart. He hadn't howled since he was a young cub on the farm. His mum scolded him, dragged him inside by the ear, sternly said that no civilised wolf would ever be seen howling like that. Afterwards, he held off for eighteen years. Why would canines restrain themselves when howling felt so good? But his was the only note cutting through the sky. Someone yelled from a window above to shut the fuck up! Randall sheepishly ducked his head back in and slid it closed. His paw hung over the latch, ready to lock it again. But he didn't. He liked the wildness that had rushed through his body and sent shivers across his fur. He couldn't bear losing that last meagre connection. Another howl would be far too embarrassing, but he relished the idea that he could. The window was unlocked if he needed to throw it open and sing to the night sky again. The next day, a notice taped to his door said that he owed the landlord $200 in restitution for the public disturbance the previous night. A postscript politely informed him that if he were to ever try that again, it was well within the landlord's rights to evict him. After an initial bout of anxiety, he crumpled the notice and stuffed it deep into the pocket of his dress pants. As he walked to the train station, he began to mentally plan which meals he was going to have to skip to pay the fee. Maybe his suit would almost fit then. A grin formed on his muzzle, but then evaporated when he realised he wanted to tell someone else and for them to laugh right along with him. Randall didn't hate his boss, but it wasn't a close camaraderie either. Of course, he doubted anyone had that kind of relationship with a sharply dressed mouse. Stereotypes be damned, Randall was less scared walking alone at night through the government-assisted housing blocks near his apartment than he was getting called in to talk to Timothy. Sir, he stated. The mouse didn't even look up from his computer. Sir? Yes, yes, continue. What is it that you wish to ask? The mouse's nasally voice sliced through Randall's nerves like a cheese knife against a wheel of camembert. I was wondering, excuse me, I was hoping that if it were possible, I could maybe get an advance? Well, you know... Randall trailed off. No, I do not know. What sort of advance do you need, and why exactly do you need it? 
I, well, I need $200. I got a noise disturbance notice and... And you wish for me to save your tail after you host one of those wild parties all you pups hold? If I were to cover every inane decision made by an employee of mine, I would add hours to my salary calculations, potentially costing the company money that would no longer be present for allocation to bonuses or raises. Next time, think about the consequences before you choose to hold a shindig during sleeping hours. But I... That is all. Please return to your work. Randall left the office with his tail between his legs. Had Timothy even looked up from his computer while he was talking? Randall couldn't remember. The first half hour of overtime was spent filling out an overtime request form. Another two went by filling out tax forms that weren't due for another month, as he hoped that his boss would find it somewhere in his mechanical mouse heart to approve retroactive overtime as well. By the time he started for home, dusk had already blanketed the city. At least the train was nearly empty. Time felt slower, dragging out his commute to feel twice as long as usual. However, when Randall laid down on his soft bed in his closed-off apartment, he finally felt he could relax. He was alone but warm, with faux fur covers around his shoulders that made him feel like someone else was cuddled up close to him. He turned on the television to drown out his mind. Most of the news hour flew straight over his head. It never seemed to stick after long days staring at numbers on a computer. However, his ears perked at the end of the program. That's right, we regret to inform you that Yule, the last known vacuous grey wolf, has passed away in captivity. It is a tragedy for sure, but we can rest easy knowing that he is joining his mate Yuna, who succumbed to a fever last month. Scientists have been on the search for any signs of vacuous grey wolves out in the wild, but their findings are grim. Since our last report on Yuna, many of our viewers have written in with their own accountings of wolf sightings or instances of howlings. However, our follow-up investigations indicated that all could be accounted for, most originating around sapient canines. Still, we appreciate your help in an attempt to prove wrong this tragic news. A source informs me that the extinction will likely be announced within the year. After Yuna's passing, Yule was devastated. He paced his enclosure for her, circling the location out on the grass where her body had been extracted. He howled more in that month than he had in his lifetime before. Although I view this tragedy with a heavy heart, I don't believe that we, sapient peoples, no matter the species, can find a better example of undiluted companionship than between these two vacuous wolves. The wolf hit the power on the remote, and his apartment drowned in silence. Randall decided that he needed a pack— he needed a Yuna for his Yule. He needed to be a wolf. For the first of his two hours of still unapproved overtime the next day, he searched the internet for local wolf associations. The nearest one met on Thursdays at a bar by the docks, but all the pictures posted on their webpage featured burly beasts of wolves, the kind that used to play bikers in action movies. Even if they howled together and hung out as a close pack, he didn't think that he'd fit in. Randall moved on to hobby groups. However, he had no hobbies. Back in college, he spent a lot of time getting really good at Rubik's Cubes, but that wasn't something he could do with other people. Instead, he browsed the listings in the area, looking for something that didn't seem too difficult or intimidating. The Crochet Club was perfect. They met every week after work at six o'clock on Friday. Even better, the club was only a few blocks from the towering office building where he worked, on the second floor of an unassuming wooden coffee shop nestled snug between two glass and aluminum goliaths. He stopped by the coffee shop during lunchtime that Thursday so that he could get a feel for the place. It was important to be comfortable with the building before throwing himself into the terrifying situation of confronting the group and asking to join. 
On Friday, he brought in a bag full of bathroom supplies to trim his fur, smooth his suit jacket, and beautify his scent after work in order to be as fresh and presentable as he could manage. After prettying up and stashing the bag in his desk drawer, he briskly walked to the coffee shop with much more confidence than he believed that he warranted. However, his confidence evaporated like a puddle on a sunny July sidewalk when he stepped inside. The rabbit girl at the counter smiled at him wide, bright, and buck-toothed. Randall approached her and asked in a hushed mutter, as if he were protecting a critical secret, uh, "'Is the crochet club upstairs?' "'That's right. They should be starting in a few minutes. Stairs are through that door, and it's the room on the left.' The wolf nodded a quick thanks, took a few steps, and then realized that it was probably impolite not to order something. Flustered, he turned back and paid for a jasmine tea, which the rabbit prepared without even momentarily breaking her sunny smile. He ascended the narrow stairway, cup in paw, steadied himself, and then opened the door. The crochet club consisted of a bunch of women sitting in a circle in a sparse wooden room. Tables had been shoved out to the edges where several non-matching wardrobes and dressers were stacked with haphazard clusters of yarn and board games. Even though there was certainly enough space, the roof, so steep that it nearly touched the back of the chair nearest the far wall, instilled a mild claustrophobia in Randall. "'Don't just stand there. Come right on in!' a sheep lady laughed. His ears and muzzle flushed with heat, but he quickly shut the door behind him and stepped forward several paces before realizing that he didn't know which of the several empty seats in the circle of chairs would be right to take. He didn't want to accidentally steal someone else's seat only to have them come in moments later to kick him out. "'You're here for crochet?' she continued. A waggle of ears and tails around the room choreographed the member's surprise. Randall winced. Uh, "'Yeah.' At that, everyone started to talk. Voices fought and clambered over one another to rise to the top, but none managed to do so. The wolf's tail drooped and his ears flattened. "'Shush! One at a time!' A deer on the far side of the chair circle raised her hand. Everyone quieted down. Tails and ears hung low in embarrassment. Randall mentally marked her as the alpha. "'You can sit next to me if you like,' she happily offered. Randall nodded and sat himself in the seat she gestured to. After they got settled and the deer, whose name he learned was Sarah, guided his unsteady paws through a basic stitch, the room slowly buzzed back to life with conversation. At first he didn't pay attention. Mistakenly, the focus of his attention was on the crochet. Crochet club, he quickly realized, wasn't actually about crochet. It was about having an excuse to gossip with friends every week. A brown bear halfway around the circle from Randall talked about how her boyfriend hadn't been returning her calls at night. Karen, an outspoken hyena, told her that she should just drop him. The relationship was over. He wasn't in it anymore. He'd never really been there for her anyway. It had always just been about him and what he wanted. The wolf smiled and followed along as best he could, without knowing the tangled, interconnected web of relationships serving as a background for each story. The women seemed to know everything about each other's lives— which sibling was causing strife with the family, their favourite music to work to, or even how they liked their toast and eggs in the morning. "'About you, Randall, right? That's what you said your name was?' Karen asked. He nodded. "'What's happening in the life of this handsome, stately wolf?' "'Oh, shut it, Karen. If he wants to talk, he'll talk!' The edges of Sarah's long deer muzzle curled. "'It's no problem,' Randall said. "'Really, it's fine. I don't think it'll be as interesting as any of your stories, though.' Sarah was suddenly smiling again. Leaving her crochet needles and half-knitted hoof-toe socks on her lap, she set a hand on Randall's paw. Don't see that. Everyone's got an interesting story or two in them. Hey, why don't you tell us what brought you here? The wolf's ears and muzzle flushed with heat, but he nodded despite himself. 
Sarah hadn't taken her hand away. An almost imperceptible blush darkened the skin under the hood of her flicking conical deer ears as well. It was a news story, actually, two nights ago on Channel 7. They were talking about Yule. He was, you know, the last vacuous wolf. That was so sad. Lydia, a fluffed-up and well-pampered Arctic fox, interjected. The deer's shush held enough venom to kill a small animal. He's new. Let him talk. I'm sorry about that. Go on, then, as you were saying. He hesitantly told them that there was little of himself that he saw in the vacuous wolves, that he'd been stuck in his stale life for too long, especially after the little bit of release he'd gotten on Tuesday. Ooh, what happened on Tuesday? Did you... did you meet someone? This time it was all Sarah doing the poking and prodding. Everyone else was either amusedly watching on as they crocheted colourful designs in their laps or laughing to each other in hushed conversations. He shook his head, wanting to crawl deep inside himself where he wouldn't have to admit to anyone. I howled. Several women snickered, but Sarah swept the room with a death glare. I couldn't help it. There was all this pressure welling up inside of me like a steam vent, and I had to turn the valve and let it loose somehow. And you know, you know what? It felt damn good. At some point when he was talking, the rusted padlock on the safe of feelings and emotions he'd held hidden deep inside him clattered to the floor. He opened up like a bottle of champagne. Over the next hour, he told them everything from his lonesome howl out of the window of his apartment to the isolation of his train rides. Sarah's soft, brown-furred hand never left his. It felt really good to confide in the women of the crochet club. Despite the snickers when he started, everyone took him seriously. They listened and nodded along and interjected occasionally with questions or bits of helpful advice. Look, you need to actually talk to your boss. He didn't hear the story and he'd understand if you told him how it really went down, the Arctic Fox suggested. But he wouldn't understand. He's like a robot in mouse fur. He doesn't care what my problem is, just what sense it would cost a multi-million dollar fucking conglomerate. You're just going to go up to him and say... Hey, Tim, Randall said, glancing nervously over the bulky CRT monitor on Tim's desk. I wasn't able to give you the full story when I was telling you what happened. Would you please give me a moment to explain myself? You may. Go ahead. Randall did his very best not to shake as he looked down at the furiously typing mouse. I may have... I mean, I did something stupid, but it wasn't a party. I just had this embarrassing moment where everything was too much and I accidentally howled. It just sort of happened. The mouse didn't interject like last time, so Randall continued. But anyway, I've been working for you for three years now. I've always done my job and met my deadlines, and I've never asked for something like this before. Would you please reconsider giving me an advance on my next paycheck? I promise that it won't happen again. There were a few seconds of silence before Timothy said, Are you finished speaking? Randall shivered. Yeah. Very well. You may have the advance. We are friends, are we not? What? The mouse stopped typing and looked up from his computer with a slight tilt of his head. Did I misread that? Are we not friends? But we had beers three months ago for a Friday happy hour. I considered that to be an indication of friendship. No, Randall interjected. We're friends. Yeah, we're friends. You were right. Oh, good. Hey, the wolf said, ears flipping nervously. How would you like to get drinks again next Thursday? Would Friday not be more suitable? A hangover would severely impact our productivity. I've got something on Fridays now. Oh, good for you. Thursday would be nice. Randall walked into the crochet club with a triumphant smile stretching his muzzle in a way that he hoped wasn't intimidating. The women, only a fifth of them there a quarter hour early, greeted him with welcoming enthusiasm. When Sarah came in and sat next to him, he excitedly recounted the talk he had with his boss. 
She smiled wide, congratulated him, and then offered a hug which the wolf, after a moment of sheepish doubt, accepted. The second week was easier and more familiar than the first. With friends to talk to and the sudden problem of where the $200 fine would come from solved, he felt much lighter. He happily gossiped along with the group, throwing anecdotes of his own life in to mesh with their stories and problems. A surge of pride bubbled, a glowing warmth under his fur, the first time Karen, the hyena, nodded and said that what he'd suggested sounded like good advice. The drudging banality of daily life began to quicken as Randall found his mind always occupied with the stories he was going to tell his new friends and the look on Sarah's stubby, spectacled muzzle when he chose to speak up. After a month, he realized that he wasn't even conscientious about where to sit on the train anymore. As spring blossomed into summer, Randall felt like he was a new wolf. When he walked into the coffee shop early as usual, the women were all sitting around downstairs. His first instinct was dread. It wasn't normal for everyone to show up as early as him, and certainly not for them to wait down on the first floor. He was about to ask if something was wrong when Laura, a tomboyish bobcat, noticed him. "'Hey, Randall's here!' Sarah hopped right out of her seat and everyone else followed more leisurely. Randall, she exclaimed, you're here. Hey, so I was thinking that we'd do something different today. I was talking with the girls and we decided to... Well, I don't want to ruin the surprise. Come on, follow me. She led the group several blocks to the east, where the city bustled with more commercial blocks. Instead of the homogenous office buildings and the coffee shops and sandwich shops crowding first floors, neon signs hung glowing off the edges of massive malls and shopping centres, advertising everything from groceries to hobby shops to craft stores. It had been years since Randall last scraped up a valid reason to surround himself with the roiling sea of after-work shoppers perusing the extravagant displays on the stores wealthy enough to afford a space on the ground floor. He used to find it oppressive with the musks of every species imaginable, foreign and local, fighting with the foul stench of sun on pavement for control of his nostrils. But it wasn't as bad when he could laugh with his friends about how terribly gaudy the dresses in the windows were. Karen said that the more she walked through there, the more she was sure that they were marketing to lottery-winning hookers. A scowl from the Arctic Fox corrected her to working girls. They ended up on a back street several corners down from the main throughway. Sarah stopped and gestured down a flight of stairs leading into the basement of a squat building, half the size of the gigantic shopping centres they'd been looking at before. The sign above glowed, 53rd Street, Karaoke, in fluorescent ruby letters. Karaoke? Randall asked, confused. Don't knock until you try it, she said, with her usual confidence. Sarah paid the receptionist for two hours in a large enough room to fit the entire club. Randall protested when he saw how fat the bill was, but the deer just shushed him and said this was what club dues were for. The room was long and thin, with no more space than was necessary to fit the cushioned, wall-mounted seating and the table that was just wide enough to be slightly uncomfortable for everyone, thick or thin. Randall ended up along the back wall, smushed between Sarah and Karen. "'So who's going to start?' Randall said with a nervous chuckle after everyone was seated. They knew him well enough to know that he wouldn't want to, but his nerves suggested they'd volunteer him anyway. Much to his relief, Sarah said, I will. However, she didn't grab for the little tablet-like console that controlled the karaoke machine. Instead, the doe's muzzle pointed up at the ceiling and she cried out, Awoo! Her shout didn't sound like a real howl. It didn't have the right pitch or the same piercing edge as a canine's. However, Randall understood the doe's paw slid over his and squeezed as her faux howl hung in the stuffy air of the small room. 
his stomach twisted and his throat clenched. Tears threatened the wolf's eyes, making him blink furiously, trying and failing to fight them back. He buried his muzzle in his arms. Karen reached around him to rustle Sarah's shoulder. The room fell back into silence. "'Hey, are you okay?' Sarah asked, after a hesitant pause. "'Yeah,' Randall choked back. No one said anything for the next minute, so he forced himself to continue. "'Thank you so much. You, you all have no idea how much this means to me,' he trembled. His stomach turned on himself, and pressure tightened his chest and lungs. For a moment, he wondered if he was going to throw up, praying that he wouldn't embarrass himself that badly. However, after a moment, he realized what his body wanted from him. As he raised his head from his paws, the women in the room looked at him with a mix of expectation and unease. He tilted his muzzle towards the ceiling and released the clear, sharp note of his howl. One by one, the women of the Crochet Club, none of them even canine, joined in on the chorus. The floodgates behind the wolf's eyes couldn't be stopped up. Amid the playful shouts and encouraging cries of Awoo! Awoo! The crisp song of the wolf echoed in the small, soundproofed karaoke room. None of his new friends understood the language of the howl. They couldn't comprehend how the subtleties of the shifts in his pitch wove his story of discovery and acceptance. However, they understood the expression on his face as he sang out to the moon that he couldn't see through brick and plaster. They knew the meaning behind the tears that matted the fur under his eyes. As his song faded back to nothingness, Sarah's soft hand pulled his muzzle back down to her level, and the lips of the Yuna to his Yule locked passionately with his own. This was Lone by Significant Otter, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.